us down to the last comic shop in five, four, three, two, one. Listen, kids, I tried. I tried embezzling all the funds so we couldn't pay for web hosting for another year. <laughs> but Andy caught me. We still had enough. I I saved some under the mattress. Just put it under there. It was my reserve fund. But we are back for a fourth season. Yay! Four seasons of the last Comic Shop podcast. Where we do what, J.A.? We, we jumped the shark. This is the season where we jumped the shark, right? <laughs> well, we have sharks. Jump the shark? What does that mean? Didn't you ever know about Fonzie? It was when Happy Days decided to go downhill. They put the Fonz in a leather coat. He he was on water skis and he jumped over a shark. And so now that's the the saying whenever a show... That's when the show went downhill? That's when a Wait, show, the show, the show had gone downhill, and that was the stunt to try to bring the audience back. See, I yeah. thought that was when it starts going downhill. Although they did the stunt because I heard Henry Winkler was a wonderful uh, water skier. <laughs> well, there you go. In real life. Yeah. And now they've kind of changed that ever since uh, Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull came out. Now they call it Nuke the Fridge. Because of the, ah. you know, because of the the fridge scene. So that's jumping the shark and nuking the fridge. And I am the host with the most. I didn't jump no shark. I'm Andy Larson. I'm joined by my wife, Nicole Larson, on today's program, as well as people that are not my wife, and that would be uh, J.A. Scott and Chad Smith. Yeah, Although, we're keeping the shop open for people to talk about sharks and fridges. <laughs> and sharks and fridges. No, that's that's a different <laughs> show. I've never had shark. Is it tasty? It's very salty. When have you had shark? I've had I had a life before you. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, you didn't. J.A., you've had shark, right? You've had shark. Come on, you've had shark. I have, yes. It's salty, right? I think when you all have, have had shark? shark. You just don't know it because it was what? probably called Mahi Mahi or Barracuda. Uh, I was going to say, do we just call it tuna and it's all caught in the same nets? <laughs> The new season of this show has really started on a weird level. <laughs> Just letting y'all That's know. true. But we've got to keep that energy up because on today's program, we are fulfilling a promise that we made on a previous show. A long time ago, we put out a poll where it was right after the Eisners in 2023. And we were like, what books should we read based on Eisner Award winners? And Public Domain won out. And nobody listened to that show. So we're going to try again with Ducks. Two Years in the Oil Sands by KB. And this did win an award, right, Chad? Uh, Yeah. So in 2023, it won an Eisner Award for Best Graphic Memoir. Um, It also was listed amongst the American Library Association's Top 10 and their 22 Best Graphic Novels for Adults. It won the 2023 edition of Canada Reads. Uh, so it has done a lot since it originally appeared early on in 2014 as a webcomic on Tumblr. Oh, wow. I did not know that. 
But I will say this, that uh, among its other accolades, it was also one of former President Obama's picks on the show, which is why I thought that Nicole would be excited, because she sometimes likes to look at Obama's read list and be like, oh, I'll put those books on my on my list. I do add many of his books to my to read list. So there you go. Plus the fact that this was J.A.'s pick. So if this one doesn't do well either, we have him to blame for all of our shortcomings. <laughs> Luckily, he has all the X-Men picks, so it brings the fans back to the tent. <laughs> That's right. J.A., what's what's the 10 cent synopsis for Ducks Two Years in the Oil Stands? Is there a lot of oil, sands, ducks? There are some ducks. Uh, there are a lot of oil sands. Um, this takes place mainly in Alberta, Canada. It is a memoir uh, of Katie Beaton. Basically, after she graduated from college, she had a crap load of student debt, something that a lot of people, probably many of our listeners, can relate to. And to pay off that debt, she had to go find a job. And at that time, this is, I think, 2008, 2007 in Canada, not a lot of jobs to be had. People remember there was a giant economic crisis brought on by Wall Street and their lending practices to strippers and other people buying houses. (laughs) That's that's what I got. movie, though. Yes, that's what I got from the big short, is that strippers bought houses, and because of that, the financial crisis happened. (laughs) Anyways, she got a job working in the Alberta oil sands, which is this location in the middle of nowhere in the middle of Canada, where they are pumping water into the ground to bring oil out and doing all sorts of other stuff. And as one can imagine, it's not a pretty job. It's dirty, and it's primarily filled with men. She was a woman, so this is uh, a memoir of her two years in camp, essentially. Uh, She worked mainly as a a tool crib assistant and then in the back office for a while. Uh, But her experience sort of dealing with her job, dealing with the hyper-masculinity of being in a situation where it's mainly just men, uh, there is a lot of sexual harassment. I think a lot of it probably, I don't want to say unknown, but sort of just felt like it was part of the, the scene. And it's part of the culture. How, yeah, part of the culture. People didn't know uh, they were doing it or, or, or were more sort of unaware of it. And uh, the book, when we'll get into it, the book doesn't give you easy answers on all of this. Uh, it's very much paints a picture of, of a culture and uh, a job that changes people, at least when they're there in that in that situation, and changed her as well. So uh, it's very much adult reading, as Chad alluded to. It's, it's not something yeah. that you would... Yeah, adult in terms of like serious themes and nuances and things that you have to think about. Not adult in, like, the dirty, pervy way. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so that's it. It's, it's a memoir of two years of her working and sort of what she encountered in in a industry. And it, it questions the industry itself as well a little bit. It gets into, you know, what they're doing to the environment and, and these areas of the country that used to be owned by Native North Americans. I guess if you were going to relate it to a movie – it's a bit like uh, what's that Charlize Theron movie that that she made for Oscar bait? Monster. 
No, that that's the one that she won. North Country? Yes, thank you. That had a Bob Dylan song in it. You know what? I'm glad you brought up like the fact that like they did talk about how they got the oil out of the sands and stuff. Because honestly, that's what I thought this book was going to be about. I remember... <laughs> Seeing the title "Ducks Two Years in the Oil Sand," I'm gonna. I thought this was, and I think Chad thought so too. That it was gonna be about some sort of environmental disaster thing, where like she had gone there to clean up the oils, or she was part of, right. you know, well, all those and, and, To Jay's point, it's not really about the environmental impact of what they were doing. You know, it was about more or less like, hey, I spent a lot of time in this these camps. And it really changes a person, you know? Eh? That's, oh, that's what I got. No, that's, I'm serious. That's, that's also, I, I, I would be remiss, that's where the, the title comes from. It comes from an incident where these ducks landed on a tailings pond because they were migrating and they saw a big thing of water. Oh, let's land there. Except the water was, of course, contaminated and they all died. And uh, it created an international incident in Greenpeace and, and various organizations where protesting these these companies so their answer was to put scarecrows and and sound makers out around these ponds to try to scare the ducks away not to clean up the ponds and that no, was kind of pointed no, out right. so they're not no. trying to clean up the ponds or or, or you know right be less no scarecrows cheaper cheaper option let's get some burlap <laughs> and some old flannel shirts we're fine we'll make that we'll make the workers do it but that's the that's the whole metaphor, though. I, I don't want to jump too far ahead with this memoir, but it's about just as the environment is tearing up the land and destroying things for the ducks and for everyone else in the process of, of getting oil for you know people to get rich. Uh, you know they're setting up these camps, and these camps are slowly you know degrading these people and, and breaking them down to the point where they're being destroyed. You know, in an effort to pay their student loans, it's a real or, or to uh, live. I mean, she was trying to pay her student loans, but they've many people who uh, it was like, oh, I was a fisherman, or I was this, or I was that. Yeah, it's like the guy, the one guy's like, yeah, I'm a fisherman from Newfoundland. Oh yeah, how long have you been out here? Twenty years. Right, right. and that's how they have to support their families, and you know, to get by. <laughs> you know, they're participating in these acts that you know. And, and and there was a moment where she's talking to one of her superiors at one point, and she and, and, and he's like, "Well, why are you here? Like, it, it seems like you're you're doing a lot of complaining about like the you know you don't have to be here." And she's like, "I got student loans." And he was like, "Are you feeding any mouths at home? Like, I get it, you have student loans, but like some of us are here because otherwise there's not food on the table." And and it's it's true. It is a, a kind of an expose on. Whether it's, you know, the oil sands or coal mining or timber or any of those kind of because it, it didn't feel like at times you were you, you thought of it as like kind of like a company town, like they were all living in a company town, like the early 1900s. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, they're on location. And so you get these people that are away from their families. And so on one hand, that's where you get a lot of the problems that, that Kate encounters with her coworkers is. They're not grounded by their families. It's like they're off. You can equate it to being away at school or being away on vacation or, you know, they wouldn't, they're not acting the way they would normally act if they were in a normal society because they're all cooped up in these camp towns. 
Well, let's pivot to Nicole's thoughts on this because, again, sure. uh, simply put, I'm the token woman, is what he's I didn't mean it. Like, oh, this is a book by a woman. We have to have a woman on the show. Y'all did it. I know y'all did it. Oh, man. Okay. Like, well, I just wanted your thoughts on this. As somebody that's read other books that President Obama has recommended, <laughs> how would you rank this among, among a Brock's picks? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I struggled a little bit with this book. I found it a little verbose and boring uh, at times. It's interesting. I thought the end of the book was the most intriguing uh, with the native peoples, uh, the land, and the talk about a lot of the workers being on drugs. And again, that isolationism and the breakdown of them and how they're not who they normally would be. And I thought that was more interesting than the first 200 pages of just her little vignettes that I couldn't even tell when she was changing people. I, I had a hard time even with the drawing. I hate to say it like it was, everyone looked the same to me. So it was hard to kind of really get to know certain characters. Like they all, all the men kind of blend together. And maybe that's part of the point is that they all kind of blended together and, and there was a lot of um, bad behavior. So, yeah, I mean, it was a little bit of a struggle. I wish some of the, the environmental stuff had been expounded on a little bit more. I thought that that was more interesting than some of the other stuff. But as a woman, I know y'all are asking what I think about, you know, the machismo and the, the cat calling and all of that type of stuff. And I think, you know, a lot of what we were saying about the degradation of them, you know, people aren't acting the way they normally would out of isolation and things. You know, they were, they were saying there's like 50 men to every one woman that was up there. I can certainly see how that would happen um, and how she would be uncomfortable, especially being that she was presumably a pretty young woman at the time, right? She would have actually, Chad, you said she's my age, right? Yeah, she was just out of now. school. Yeah, so she would have been pretty young um, at the time. And some of these men that were, were quite a bit older, you know, I think it was a struggle for her being bored and things up there. And then when she did get into social situations, you know, you had this added complexity of, of not knowing who you could trust really or, or uh, you know, if you try to let your guard down, then some unfortunate things happen to girls in that situation. So, I mean, it was okay. It was just long. It was really <laughs> Really. I am really I, long. Yes. You know what? I I I have been on this show enough and I, I've reviewed enough books on this show to that I hope everybody knows when I say certain things. It's coming from the fact that I've read a lot of comics and I've read comics from all kinds and all all places. And simply put for me, I think this was like two hundred pages too long. I'm gonna just flat out say it. Flat out saying on this show, I feel like this could have been trimmed down exponentially. I like, I just, there were pages that just seemed to like blend together. And, and for stories, knowledge, it was 430 pages. Right. There were stories that seemed to just, and maybe that was the point that they repeated, but some of it I just didn't need. If the, if the point was to, to expound upon like the isolation and the, what she went through, I, I think this could have been a little more succinct. I wonder if it would have been more yeah. impactful, too. I, I, you know, again, getting through 200 pages of very kind of monotonous stuff, at least in my mind, you know, maybe kind of made me just go through stuff faster as I was trying to, to complete the book. But uh, I'm curious, since this was Jay's pick, if it lived up to everything that you thought it would be. 
And well, it's interesting you say that because I started reading it and about the first hundred pages, I was like, okay. And then the 200 pages in, I was like, ah, yeah, I don't know about this. This is not making me feel great about the whole male side of the human species at the moment, <laughs> of which I am part of. 300 pages in, I was like, okay, I think I'm getting what she's laying down here. I'm, I'm seeing sort of the broader strokes within the story, seeing the forest within the trees. And then by the end, I, I really enjoyed it. I understood, I think, that whole sort of middle section that seemed to just be the same ideas, but in a different location over and over again, I think was her. I mean, A, it's her memoir, so it's what she experienced. But B, it's her way of showing that it, it wasn't just a one-off. This is a pervasive experience across a culture of these camps. Well, she did have to matter. deal with it for two years. So, I mean, I guess yeah. 200 pages, right? I mean, so again, if you're really trying to capture what your two years there were like, then it probably was freaking monotonous, right? And yeah. it was probably really freaking annoying, which yeah. I think she did convey that very well, that it was just really what I, tough to put and, up with. I did have, I also did struggle especially when she started working in the office and there was her and I forget the girl's name, but they looked almost the same. It was just yeah. one had wavy hair and Lindsay. one had, she had, she had wavy hair and the other girl had very straight hair. I think Lindsay was the one with glasses. I could actually tell who she was. No, yeah. She, yeah, but sometimes Katie would wear glasses. That's, that's true. Where the confusion sometimes Katie came would. In. Katie most of the time had, had um, a like braid. A, that's where, yeah. I mean, I, you know, one of the things just to skip over onto the art, you know, cartoony it's just black and white pencil drawings i don't know color monochromatic it's very much it was monochromatic yeah like i don't know even to have the guys in like different shirts that were somewhat recognizable is like oh that's that guy because there were some really sweet guys let's talk about some of the sweet guys right who really stood up for her and um the one guy who gave her the picture of the yeah what happened to mike mike seemed like a stand-up guy mike seemed to be all right and then like Mike was in like the first cup, and then she like then Mike disappears, and then Mike shows up in like two panels at the end, and I was just like, "Ah, poor Mike." <laughs> uh, maybe <laughs> he never uh, had a chance. He was in a different kit. Maybe they were just friends. Just because he's a nice guy doesn't mean they need to get together. I think that's uh, also right. the point. You're right. Let's, let's just let's not put our romantic notions of Hollywood on on this woman. Just because there's a nice guy in camp. As opposed to all the assholes, she needs to she needs to be with that nice guy. Maybe she doesn't need to be with anyone. Well, Chad, you've been you very, fairly quiet. Before we get to ratings, uh, any last thoughts from you, sir? Yeah, I. This one is a tough one for me because I, you know, I, I see all the things about how this is a very nuanced book. I, I agree with that, and the subject matter that they're dealing with. I don't think we've we've mentioned the R word. But there are multiple instances where she's raped in this book, and they are not easily, they're nuanced scenarios. Let's put it that way. And, and um, the, way she, the way she explains it is devastating, I found. Yeah. That first time where she just leaves her body. To, yes. Now, that was the second time. Is that, that's the second that's one? The, okay. second the first time was just the empty hallway. Which I thought was actually a much well, they were both powerful images, but like that, that empty hallway where she's just like walking around in a daze 
like after it happens and like she's just looking down empty hallways of doors right and yeah i mean as a you know an extended metaphor of you know isolation and loneliness and you know what happens when people are in these scenarios like uh, you know this book uh you know ticks all those boxes and i'm sure it, if i had had a lot of experience with the author either you know through her work or like knew her as a person i would be more appreciative of like how brave it is to put this story out there as it stands like it was just a long story about malaise and student loans and terrible things happening that involved good people where at the end we're like oh they're not all bad people just because Bad things happened, and like, man, was this a doubter? <laughs> this, this was, this one was tough for me. I I struggled, and you know, I don't want to take away from any of the things that make it an important book or make it, you know, uh, what it is. And but, whew, boy, did I there was just an absence of joy throughout the entire book. I really genuinely struggled with. By the end, I was very happy to be done. Very oh. happy to finish this one. Say, we should throw out there a word of caution. Don't get your degree in whatever she got her degree in. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's something that has changed a lot since the time that she experienced this. And I think really since COVID, right? I think college is going to be a different thing for our kids than it was for us, you know, coming through. Um, I think a lot of people are questioning you know, the need to even go given the, the vast information that's out there in the internet and the number of jobs that you can have um, that pay very well that don't require degrees. And I think getting a degree in, in art or whatever, while I, I get the people that want to work in that industry, I think, you know, going into all this debt is something that's um, obviously been in the news a lot in the U.S. with. Uh, yeah, but Nicole, debt. there's always going to be a need for oil sands, not oil sands, some other way. The people will plug away and rob nature of its <laughs> spoils and degrade things that become degraded to themselves. Live in a society where the rich get richer and the poor get pummeled upon and everything ends up miserable and we just wait for the shallow release of death. <laughs> Come on, let's get to ratings. One out of four scale. J.A. Scott's going to give it to us for ducks. Two years in the oil sands. What do you got for us, J.A.? We'll just say um, we'll give one out of four ducks. So the ducks, oh, it, dead ducks are live. The dead ducks from the that oil. That was a nice duck, duck sound. Didn't you hear the? That wasn't dead. That wasn't a dead duck. That was a very happy duck. It Kate, wasn't anywhere near the oil sand. Did they call duck her Ducky that, that, at one point? I don't think so. They did call her something related to where she from Cape Britain, where she's from. Yeah. So I'm going to go first. And as Chad alluded to, with the fact that like, boy, this was a lot of malaise and real deep thoughts and things like that. And there will never be a shortage of folks that will basically destroy the environment to make money. Uh, there's also going to be never a shortage of folks that have experiences right out of college where they have a really crappy job. Like I, that actually was the biggest thing that I took it for. And it actually was the thing that I related to the most as I couldn't relate to a lot of the other things in this book. What I could relate to is the fact that at a college, I worked a really crappy job. And I worked really terrible hours, and, and and to to this day that experience lives with me. The good, the bad, the folks that I met, some of these people that I in this crappy job had been doing that crappy job for years, and I knew that it was kind of like a stepping stone for me. And I came out of college with like a 
<laughs> degree in crap, which was communications. I didn't know what the hell I was going to do with that. Uh, so I didn't have a plan, but I worked this really, really terrible job. And uh, it, it molded me into the person that I am. And didn't you leave that job when you met me? Yeah, I did. See? See? A path to hire. See? Somebody. A path to lead. So there's an, always a bright side to all of this. And hopefully, again, Kate Beaton has now won an Eisner. So obviously, the trajectory upwards for her. Yeah, but she didn't need that college degree for this. She could have just saved herself. Oh, but I, I do think that this could have been a lot less verbose. It could have been more succinct and it could have cut up probably at least a hundred pages. I understand why she maybe wanted to tell the entire story. Like I don't understand why she went to, she told the story about going to that place and being the librarian part-time, I guess it's to reinforce the fact that this was her only option was to work in the oil sands, I guess, maybe. No, I no, it, it's to show the difference between like real life and camp life. Yeah, but she worked a crappy job there too. She worked in a supermarket. It was like she were and she was getting yelled at by customers. That's a crap job too. She got fired for somebody yelling at eh, whatever. I just anyway, think what's your rating? It, it's like uh, 2.5. It's better than average, but it was way too long. Had it been like, again, 100 page shorter, maybe it'd have been a three. Because I think the points that she was making and some of the big points that we raised on today's program would have been more laser focused instead of kind of all over the place. Chad. Yeah. <sighs> I'm glad he put you on the spot next to that. Uh, I mean, so yeah, I, like I said, this one was tough for me. It, it because of the mature themes, because it's about the exploitation of people and what happens. It's about the exploitation of the land and what happens. It's about you know, uh, you know how we'll stick up for people that are in these positions because we want to justify it, and you know all of those things. We, you know, we mentioned the all these difficult situations and the fact that we have 400 some pages here to, to live through it with Kate, you know, it, it is a thing. And primarily like it just made me feel bad a lot. Like I like to think of myself as a good person, but I know I've been out there sometimes where I'm away from the rest of society with the, you know, group of friends or at a camp and like, I don't know. There's that mob mentality where like, I've never done anything near what what's happened in this book, but like you'll say things you wouldn't say, you know, if your mom was around, I don't know where I'm going with this, but this has made me feel bad about everything about who did I say something to in the years past where I thought, Oh, I'm making a, a funny joke or like, Oh, you know, it's all in good fun. And, uh, and man, there was, there wasn't anything in here in good fun. It was all terrible exploitative terrible stuff oh it's tough it's tough as a as an as a reader as a customer you know on this end of the equation to be like your memoir is too long but it was um it's tough to be like your personal experiences lacked joy and you know but they did (laughs) at the same time like there are like like I said, there are important things going on here. So I, I am super torn. Did not like this at all. Uh, would not recommend. But if you are into super important books, yeah, go, go for it. I'm going to say 2.5. That I'm hoping are still alive. And have gone somewhere else to pay off their student loans. 
All right. Uh, we're going to kick it over to Nicole next. Nicole, what's your rating? So I feel like you guys are being, I don't know. Maybe I'm being really harsh. I was going to go with two ducks. That was my initial thing. So I'm not going to let you guys sway me. I think in the end, what we're all saying is that she identified and discussed important themes that were quite serious. I think the problem for me with this book is that it didn't translate well. I don't want to say in this medium per se, but like it just didn't, it didn't quite get there for me. Like, that stuff was there. There's stuff I wish she had expounded on more. There was stuff I wish she had pulled back on more. I just didn't feel like it really grabbed me. Um, and I think, you know, I read plenty of sad books about sad things, about serious things. And, and I think this one just, it, it just didn't work for me. Um, so I'm going to go with, with two live ducks. Good. <laughs> you know, that being said, I, you know, I hope she continues to, to write and she's obviously got some talent and I just like I said I just didn't think this one was for me I hope Obama liked it better okay well it was J.A.'s pick was J.A. like Obama and loved this book uh, I, I can't lie and say I loved it but I did appreciate it um, one thing we didn't mention now most of the book is is very cartoony as we said and sort of nine panel grids or six panel grids seven panel grids but Occasionally, and usually at the beginning of chapters where she goes to a new location, she would give you a full-page, really intricate, in-depth drawing of that camp or that location, where she did that also with um, the Northern Lights. The one time I, I was wishing there was more color in the book was when she drew the monochromatic Northern Lights, uh, which then I thought maybe that's why she did it as well sort of the play on you know how beautiful this is but it all looks the same to us it looks very much like the camp we are unable to see the beauty i don't know uh maybe that's too meta but i came to appreciate the art uh at the beginning i, I was sort of oh this is very cartoony i'm not i'm not so into it and as it grew on me and as i said especially those those giant single page panels that she would occasionally throw in I thought were incredible. Uh, the subject matter is not easy to get through, as we've all said. I'm not going to repeat ad nauseum what everyone else has said. I'll just say that I give it uh, 3.25. I think I read it over a week. It, it's not something that you can just sit down and read in one sitting. I think that would be heavy, yeah. too heavy. Reading it on a family vacation was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll be right back with more of The Last Comic Shop, and it won't be a mistake for you to stick around to listen to what we have in store for you right after this. LastComicShopPodcast.com is the destination for all things shop. Plan your week with upcoming show schedules, the latest books, recommendations, and chatter from the crew. Subscribe to the show on all major podcasting platforms from one convenient location. Show your support and browse the merch store. T-shirts, tanks, hoodies for the fam, coffee mugs, magnets, totes, and more. Check out exclusive content through the show's YouTube channel and follow the pod on Instagram, Blue Sky, Threads, and others. All this and so much more at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com 
lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Hey, it's Mikey Wood, frequent Last Comic Shop guest and collector. And as a collector, I'm always in need of boards, bags, long boxes, and more to house all those comics. That's why I use promo code LCSPOD to get 10% off my orders at bcwsupplies.com. Not only does it get me a discount on BCW's already low prices, but I know using LCSPOD at checkout is another way I can show my support to the Last Comic Shop podcast and their continuing mission to bring fans together under that big comic book tent. So if you're in need of comic book supplies, Head out to bcwsupplies.com and use promo code LCSPOD today. That's LCSPOD. Hello, my name is Tony Lynn. I am an aspiring poet with my first self-published book entitled, Well, Since You Asked. It is a collection of works that speaks to my journey through grief, single motherhood, and the dreaded dating after divorce. You can find my book on Amazon or reach out to me on all social media platforms under my name, Tony Lynn. We're back with more of The Last Comic Shop and it is now time for a game! Yes! I thought to kick off season four we would have ducks two years in the oil sands and then everybody would need a pick-me-up! Right? So let's play a game. We used to do this all the time. We don't do it as much anymore, but that's probably because we don't have the wonderful Nicole Larson joining us on Game host extraordinaire. Yes, yes, (laughs) I would say so. Uh, So this is a game we've played previously called Scenarios. That's right. It still has that crappy name. (laughs) Didn't come up with a better one. Uh, For those folks that have never listened to this particular game on the last comic shop before, uh, the rules are as follows. Uh, Nicole is going to give some sort of scenario, like uh, a question, like a thing that somebody would have to do, like, oh, I don't know, who would be the best comic book character to ride a sled? And uh, we are all going to make our picks, uh, J.A., Chad, and I. And um, after which, uh, she's going to go around. She's going to give us a couple seconds to not only uh, give our pick, but then be able to explain it in a way that will hopefully make her vote for ours as the winner of that round. We will be playing five. So she's got five questions to ask the the group. And uh, the only other rule is once a character has been thrown out there, Nobody else can use them for the rest of the game. So if Batman is used in the first round, no more Batmans. You've just you've claimed Batman, and it doesn't matter if I did it, J.A. did it, Chad did it. Some Batman's been claimed, so you cannot throw out Batman as your answer. Uh, so we all good? Then all good. Let's rock and roll with that first scenario, Nicole Larson. Alrighty then. <laughs> Uh, so we have, uh, just all come through the holidays, so I hope everyone had a great holidays and new year. So with that in mind, uh, I know my kids enjoy getting their Legos for Christmas, and they seem to be on their list every year, and it's a nice gift for people to get, but oftentimes those Legos will sit unmade for like a year, but they were so desperate to get them. So the question is, which superhero is likely to either immediately make their lego and you could describe what lego it would be or who is the one who just leaves it sit in the box for a whole year before they make it wow so we got a choice 
Jeez. This is all about the power of persuasion. All right. Legos. Who would not? Who would build it immediately? So do we have to do two answers or just one? Either you or, or both. You just have to give your rationale. Okay. Jay, Chad, you you guys ready? Sure. All right. So who gets to go first, Nicole? Uh, we'll start with Jay. Okay. So my my answer is um, it would be Mastermind. Ooh. Jason Wingard, the Marvel evil mutant, part of the Hellfire Club. He would buy the Lego box, sit it on the shelf, but then make an illusion to show everybody that he made it. Oh, but he didn't actually make it. Okay, but he didn't make it. Everyone gotcha. thinks he's made it, and it's just sitting on the shelf the whole time. <gasps> he really is a bad guy. <laughs> yeah, those poor Legos not being or built. He's smart. He, he's keeping it in the box. He's you know going to resell it in a few years. He, yes, exactly. When, when he's going to arbitrage that Millennium Falcon Star Wars <laughs> thing. I like it. I like it. All right, Chad. See if you can beat that. So I'm going to go with the 1960s version of Professor Charles Xavier, but he's going to get the big Harry Potter Hogwarts Lego set, and it's going to be half built, but he's a school administrator, so he'd keep getting distracted. And there are a lot of pieces there, and you think, oh, this guy's not, you know, not getting out very much, and, you know, probably staying at home, commanding the X-Men all the time, has a lot of spare time. There's a lot of paperwork there, so I think I keep in between. He'd have a good chunk of it built, but then, oh, I got I got distracted. Oh, wait, Juggernaut's come to the mansion again, and he messed up all these Legos. Ah, I got to <laughs> pick him up with my mind. Ah, <laughs> uh, I got to put them back together, and that takes time. And then, ah, so I, I think it'd be mostly built, um, but I think he would appreciate a nice Hogwarts set with all the little nooks and crannies, and he likes schools and, you know, can compare mental notes with Dumbledore. That sort of thing. So that's my answer. I don't know if that's answer the scenario or not. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. All right, Andy Pants. Well, keeping it with the mutant temp, uh, I'm also going to throw out a mutant, and that would be uh, Pietro Maximoff, a.k.a. Quicksilver. Uh, and the reason why I'm going to say that he would build his Lego the fastest is because that guy doesn't like anything sitting there. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't like even him sitting there. Uh, there's a wonderful issue of X-Men where he basically explains, like, why are you so angry all the time, Quicksilver? And he's like, you know when you stand in line behind a bunch of slow people and they're not getting their stuff done? What if that was your life all the time? Like, I can move real fast and I have to like, spend my time behind slow people all the time. So he would probably be like, you know all these slow people that don't build their Legos right away? I'm not going to be that guy. I'm going to build it real fast, put it over on the table, go and do some other stuff. Drink some, some eggnog or something. So yes. And do you remember in X-Factor 87, which is the issue it comes from, what he called that? Petro Maximoff Syndrome. <laughs> PMS. <laughs> <laughs> So he has permanent PA. That's why he has to build the Legos. So yeah, Quicksilver. All right. Well, I'm going to go point to J.A. Because I like the whole idea of like keeping the value of the Lego in the box, but then having it built out. I like it. I liked it. I already feel like I'm not going to win any of Well, them. it is hard for me to ever let you win anything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm having deja vu. This I'm is the entire conversation too. with I, the giant piece. So. All right. So again, keeping with the holiday theme, which superhero is most likely to be a gift returner? 
Because he's got everything, first and foremost. Anything that you could get for him, he'd be like, yeah, I already have that. Yeah, I have five of those. I didn't need that. I didn't need that. I didn't need... He's like that terrible boss that you try to buy, like, a Christmas gift for, and you're like... Now, does need... he actually tell you that he has a... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, he would really... Like, he... opens it, and it's like, oh, I already have that. No, he would be like, no, I already have this. And he would give it to his assistant. He'd be like, return this for store credit. Because he'd rather have the money... He really would rather have the money, and he would like to shove it in your face that he is returning the thoughtful gift that you got him. So yeah, he's a cold-hearted bastard. So yeah, Lex Luthor all day. Good luck returning my macaroni necklace late. <laughs> You're not getting much credit for that. All right, Chad. Okay, so I am going to go with Felicia Hardy, a.k.a. the Black Cat couple of reasons one everyone knows the black cat notorious uh jewel thief uh you would think oh she'd be very excited to uh get these presents would want to hold on to those things except you forget that she has these bad luck powers so people are constantly getting her things from the stores that you'd like them to get them from but it's always the wrong thing it's always the teapot that instead of stone green it's ash gray Instead of uh, that nice uh, sweater she wanted and a, and a nice chartreuse shade, it's olive. Oh, the bad luck. Oh. And so she has she's, to return it. She has, you know, you hope you give her the gift receipt. If not, she's just going to go and steal it anyway. <laughs> but uh, it's those damnable bad luck powers biting her yet again. Poor black cat. Okay. John Andrew. So I was. Uh, Kind of similar to Chad, but for a different reason, I went with Selena Kyle, the cat. Ah. The reason being that you she would return the gift, get the store credit, and then go back that night and steal it back because <laughs> she's a thief. So she not only gets to keep the item that you gave her, she also gets credit for the item that she then steals. So she's gotten she's getting it twice, the value and the item. <sighs> That one's hard to beat. Oh, my gosh. Come on. Hard Lex, on me. Lex, Lex, Lex. You know Lex is the right answer. So I do have to, I think I have to go with Lex Luthor only because in my mind, I, I just keep thinking of the people I know that literally to your face, let it slip out. They're <laughs> they like, I'm going to be returning it. this. And I'm like. Or they're like, do you have the receipt for that? Like, <laughs> so I have to give it to him for being so uh, blatantly obvious. <laughs> in his intentions. So one point to Andy Pants. All right, I'm on the board. All right, Chad. Uh oh, the pressure's on. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta get in here. Okay, so we're moving on from the holiday gift giving and all of that, and we're moving into New Year's resolutions. Okay, because you know it's that time of year. So who is the most likely to keep a New Year's resolution, and what would that be? Oh, I haven't even mine. thought of my own New Year's resolution yet. So who is most likely to set and then actually keep 
a New Year's resolution. You have to tell me what that resolution will be. This is hard. Am I doing okay? With you are doing awesome. I'm loving this segment. All right, I got it. Yeah, I got it. All right, Chad, you've been stuck in the middle. You get to go first, my dear. <laughs> Great. So my answer is going to be simple. It's straightforward. I'm going to go with Cobra Commander, who's going to resolve <laughs> to take over the United States of America. And because every G.I. Joe story ends up with the bad guys winning for some time, he's destined to do it, only to screw it up three issues later. And so <laughs> I think it's a no-brainer. Cobra Commander can build some sort of weather device, uh, some sort of death ray could take the place of disgraced senators some way he's going to take over the united states and gain that power only to inevitably lose it to to snake eyes or spirit or or that dastardly duke (laughs) at some point all right interesting i had never heard of that character before i guess i'm not cobra commander uh all right we'll turn it over to the first andrew in the Larson Scott family, Jay. Uh, I'm going to go with Superman. And his New Year's resolution will be to not swear, which of course he will keep. Because (laughs) New Year's resolutions, people who keep New Year's resolutions tend to be quite square. And there's nobody more squarer than Superman. Truth, justice, and the American way, and all that stuff. Wow! I like people who break their promises, at least their New Year's resolutions, like I'm not going to drink anymore. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to have sex with chains. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Holy moly. <laughs> took a turn. He <laughs> can't, can't stop laughing. He should get a point just for going. <laughs> making himself laugh? <laughs> no, for, for stopping breathing for a few seconds. He's going for his art. But So the okay. thing is. Did Superman not... Did he swear before? Because when the resolution... I don't know. (laughs) He must have sworn once. You know he did. He he would have done it once. It would have been out of character. So he made a resolution that he'll never do it again. And of course he didn't. Because Superman is boring. Mm. I see. Okay. All right, Andrew. Well, it seems like the Andrews were having a similar thought process, but I will debate that there is somebody even more square than Superman, and that is Steve Rogers, Captain America. That's right. If you're going to think of somebody, red, white, and blue, the guy that eats all his vegetables, drinks his milk, you know, he's going to be the one that will make a New Year's resolution to be a better person. You know what I mean? Not to say that he's not already freaking perfect, but he would meet the one say like, you know what? I have not been running my 16 miles a day as hard as I really could. So I'm going to do a little bit better. Shouldn't we all do a little bit better? Isn't that the American dream? <laughs> Just do slightly better this year. Everybody can get behind that. It's the it's the Captain America Physical Fitness Challenge. And I'm here, brother, to say we all should do it. So that's the Captain America. Yeah, he's a square. Like, he keeps those promises. Much more than Superman. Pop. Superman. Candy. He doesn't even let people know who he is. He's got to hide behind those glasses. At least Captain America. He knows. That's America's ass. Oh, yeah. Listen, Cobra Commander can handle both of these jamokes. Take over the world, then screw it up three issues later. 
Telling Two it. wins. I hate to give you another point, but you have the most motivational. That's right. I have to give it to Andrew. Freaking. Sorry, your... just based, based, based on the number of uh, salutes that Andrew did. <laughs> yeah, I didn't bring up chains. Oh, my golly. Uh, very good, gentlemen. So, Andrew is ahead with two. So, we have two more scenarios left. So, uh, you guys got to kind of bring it. I don't want my husband to win. <laughs> wow, you're just being, you're a Lex Luthor on this. Just throwing it out there. I don't want him to win. <laughs> no, I, could st- I, I could still win. The chains. Still Superman busting his chains. Oh, that's true. Johnny Andrew could still win. Okay. So in the same thread of New Year's resolutions, who is most likely to actually hit the gym and get back into shape after New Year's? Or who is still hoarding the cookies who's hitting the gym who's getting fat oh boy who's saying epic that's right i got mine who's actually going back to the gym nobody's going back to the gym <laughs> and then letting the money none of our listeners that's for sure just letting the money auto draft out of their account for the next 15 years <laughs> going jay yep. you got yep. one all yep. right andrew you can go first. oh well Keeping it within Marvel Comics and Mutants because I seem to like that. I'm going to go with the Blob because the Blob is huge. He's massive. He's all fat. He is the immovable object. Why would he go on a diet? That's his whole thing. His whole thing is like, I'm big and you can't move me. So give me some more Ho-Hos, some more Oreos. I will not hit a gym. The only way I will hit a gym is if I run into it and smash through a wall. (laughs) Because I cannot be stopped. So the Blob. Heck yeah. What's his name? Frank Dukes? The Blob has a name. Yeah, yeah. I think it's Frank Dukes. Is it actually a person? Oh yeah, he's a real person. Interesting. I just thought he would be like slime. No. Okay. He wears a he wears a unitard. Yeah. That's he He's hair. very charming. Does he have underwear on? <laughs> Just curious. Any case. Never seen it before. I think he was in a diaper in his first appearance. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Slimy, a slimy diaper. Thanks. Uh, All right, Johnny Andrew. I think I stole J.A.'s answer. He did. <laughs> <laughs> it's Fred Dukes, not Frank Dukes. Frank ah, Dukes is the guy close. from Bloodsport. Uh, I was going to go with the blob because... That is a great answer. Uh, but someone who would definitely hit the gym would be the Silver Surfer, Space Jesus. <laughs> but not only would he hit the gym, he he would also have to then – he would do the whole thing. He would do the psychotherapy, the physical therapy. He'd be talking to a, a mental health specialist. Something would go wrong over New Year's that he would then spend a whole year processing going through a cycle to try to get back to, to being – the Silver Surfer, because that's always the Silver Surfer shtick. And uh, I'm not going to get into the whole having a, a person fly around with the board on you because now you're suddenly Doctor Who in space. <laughs> <laughs> All right, enough of the Dan Slottage. <laughs> All right, Chad. Okay, so who would resolve to go to the gym and stick with it and uh, start eating right uh, for reasons similar to what Jay was saying? Somebody who would need to get themselves in the proper mental and physical state to be in control at all times i'm gonna go with bruce banner aka the hulk and through his diet and exercise regimen 
he would continue to work and get slimmer and slimmer and healthier and healthier. But everyone knows the slimmer and healthier you get, the angrier and hangrier you get. <laughs> In which case, he would then become the Hulk and then uh, just go smash. Just go smash. Oh, that's a good one. That's right. Smash that burger. <laughs> All right. Well, as a girl who has gone on many a diet, I can fully empathize with the hangryness. And so, <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. The hangry, the hangry, hangry hippos. I hear you. I hear you, Bruce. I hear you. <laughs> All righty. So we are. On to number five. Last question. Last question. Also happening in 2024, we have a new installment of the Summer Olympics happening in Paris later this year. So which comic book character would you choose to be the primetime broadcast commentator for the Summer Olympic Games coming up later this year? Oh, all right. I've got my answer. Yeah, she me too. She's so not going to know who this is. So I have to do a lot of explaining. But. You always do a lot of explaining. That is my shtick. Shoot. I'm not but who's going that. Who's going first this time? I'm going to let J.A. go first. I think you haven't gone. I haven't really kept good track. But I do like how Chad has been supplying a visual aid. Well, that's his, that's his shtick. Okay. So, John so. Andrew, who would be your main broadcaster well the olympics is all about all these different sports happening at the same time especially the track and field events you've got like five or six events on the ground happening at the same time in rapid motion it's hard for one person to cover all that unless you are jamie madrox the multiple man and you can make (laughs) clones of yourself so he would be the best broadcaster to cover all this because he could just multiply out and cover every event live in real time Okay, good wow. answer. Good answer. Okay. So he's not only the main person at the desk at the show, he's also he's like everyone. He's yes. everyone. Yes. Okay. He's everyone. He could you even be that- I mean he, he he could even do the camera and the sound and the same as the save on salary for sure. I mean oh, yeah. NBC would really love that. So all right, Chad. Okay, so for a good commentary, you need someone who's familiar with the activities, right? You need somebody with a flair for the dramatic, and you need somebody who all around isn't afraid to say what needs to be said. And so I'm going to go someone or with someone who has the physical prowess, who is familiar with all the underwater sports and activities that the Summer Olympics provides, uh, and someone who looks damn good in uh, bikini swim shorts. I'm going to go with Namor the Submariner, who is such a catty bitch. He would be great on commentary. <laughs> so he would be cutting into the athletes, like giving them crap if they didn't do good enough. Is that what you're saying? I mean, he knows how to be critical, cut them to the quick if he needed to, but he would look good uh, on camera. Uh, he would sound good. He would know what he's talking about. You know, would he's he a master a of his or craft. Would he wear a swimsuit? It depends on the event. Ah. Depends on the occasion. <laughs> He's Namor the Submariner, King of Atlantis. Okay. Wow. I didn't expect to see a man in a Speedo, but I guess I should have. It's the Summer Olympics. That's true. It's very true. All right, Andy Pants. Uh, So initially I was going to say Howard Cosell because he was a comic book character in Superman versus Muhammad Ali. He makes a con. So he was there, but I was like, yeah, the guys are going to give me shit for that. So I can't do it. 
So instead, I'm going to go with the ultimate pitch man in the universe. And that would be Funky Flash Man. That's right. Jack Kirby's parody of Stan Lee that he made for Mr. Miracle. One of the new gods, immortal, timeless. But he had all that gusto and bravado that Stanley he could be like hey kids we're gonna get down to trackside you know what Stanley did for comics just think of that if he did that for the summer Olympics it'd be great it would be great you know that he would be there this is Stanley hey hey it's like having me on the Olympics come on that might be a little too much for everybody. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know about your guy, but now I'm really t- so I'm a little torn between Chad and Jay. So Johnny Andrew, your guy can do a lot. He can be in a lot of different places, but can he bring the personality? I don't know a lot about him. Is he like gonna bring it like Namor would? Because you're just uh, like Chad's- looking at the the speedo. I'm not even. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what they all know, say. Thanks for Chad showing, now showing Chad, me Namor, Chad, and he really stop got showing a... thirst trap Namor photos. <laughs> <laughs> Make your decision. Fight for your answer. I need more information. Oh, well, you, well, the, what you're getting with Madrox is you're just getting a lot of him. You're just getting economy. Okay. Well, yes, I'm economy of that, scale. That it has to go to Chad. Imperious wow. Rex, baby. Imperious Rex. Rex. What? That is quite a chin. Like, he's got quite a jawline. That's pretty good. I like it. And the abs. Yes. He's got jawline. That. That's so what she's looking at. I just wonder what I did when I made that sound. I was making the triangle that is a male swimmer. The shoulders going down to that little tiny bitty waist. Any case. <laughs> All right. So, we do have a tiebreaker because both Chad and Andrew have two points each. So, uh, I'm going to recruit Johnny Andrew to help me evaluate you guys. So, we will come up with Uh-oh. a decision. But, okay. So, we're going to go back to the holidays. So, I want you to pick a comic book character and tell me what their favorite holiday movie is and why. Uh, wow. Um, yes. Um, I, I, okay, fine. I got mine. Chad, are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got one. Uh, Ja, you pick who gets to go first. Uh, Chad should go first. Damn it! Okay. <laughs> he's still obsessed. He's still looking through the Namor photos. I, I, I can see. I am. <laughs> Put the Namor half-naked pictures down, Chad. It's a family hey, show. Namor got you they don't call them thirst traps for nothing. Anyway. Uh, so I'm going to go <laughs> with Aunt May as my character. And uh, what is her favorite Christmas uh, movie or holiday movie? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, The White Christmas, where they sing and they dance. And it's a little bit racist. That's Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn. Holiday Inn is the one I meant. <laughs> and it's not just a little racist. There's like a the whole blatant, part of it. Blatantly. Blatantly racist. <laughs> But it's very old, and an elderly it very folks like old. Aunt May would really enjoy it. So that, oh, that's my cool. pick. Uh, Andrew. <laughs> wow. I got to follow Aunt May, and you know what? I'm, I'm just going to just flat out say it. Sue Storm. Her favorite movie is The Nutcracker. Because if you've ever been around a comic book with him, her and, and Reed Richards, that's pretty much what she does to read all the time. Cracks his nuts. Oh. <laughs> It was. <laughs> we gotta wrap up the 
the show. Make a decision. Oh, goodness. All right, Jay. I think Andrew doesn't win. No! You know what? Chad wins everything. All right. Chad is the winner. Way to go, Chad. Thank you. Thank you, Aunt May. I bet she would appreciate Namor. And you know what? Even more so, Chad came from behind. He just You're just thinking of Namor coming from behind. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all the time we have for Last Comic Shop for this week. I'm the host of the most, Andy Larson. I'm joined by Chad Smith, Jay Scott, and the wonderful Nicole Larson. Remember that we will be back next week with an interview with the awesome Kyle Starks. Just kick off our second show of our fourth season. We're not jumping the shark, folks. We'll be here for a lot more. Great review and subscribe over at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com and remember to stay safe, stay warm, and if you see Namor in a Speedo, make sure that you send pictures to Chad. Because you look appreciated. I mean, he's really well sculpted. I mean, it's a game recognizing game. I mean, nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. He's a tall drink of water. Slurp that up. Comic Shop Podcast was a 2024 Black Angus production.